Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to the Boys of Summer. This is episode number 83. I'm Gene Gums, joined by my friends Paul Arnold and Eric Braun as we talk about baseball. And, man, do we have some stuff to talk about. The trades have been nuts, guys. But before we get into that, uh, we have to – I think it's appropriate, especially this being a broadcasting uh, medium, that that we talk about the greatest baseball broadcaster of all time. And and not just my opinion. I think everybody's opinion. Uh, Vince Scully passed away yesterday at the age of 94 and you know we shouldn't be sad I guess I mean you know talk about a full life I mean you know what if if uh, God said to me hey I'll sign you up for 94 tomorrow I'd sign up for it um but it's still a shock and it's still sad and it was like I I came off a high of watching the Red Sox beat the Houston Astros last night. I was really happy. And then within five minutes after the game was over, it, it was like somebody kicked me in a solar plexus because word came down um, that Vince Scully retired. And, and before we started this, I said, guys, this is a guy that was the, the, the kind of like the voice, our baseball voice for our entire lives, right? We started listening to him when we were kids. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, the guys, it's, you know, it's a thing, like you said, I mean, it's hard to believe um, that a 94 year old, you, it can still come as a shock, but he's just, he's been there forever. I mean, he was there when Jackie, you know, Robinson was playing, you know, in Brooklyn. So, you know, it's just, it, it he just, it's, he's such an icon. He seemed bigger than life. And you just, you know, when those guys, you know, um, pass, it's, it's, it's still comes as a shock, you know, and, and they, they, you know, you've been watching all this stuff about, you know, all the great calls that he had over the years. I mean, this is a guy that called three perfect games, 18 no-hitters, right? But I think the greatest call he ever had was Henry Aaron hitting his 715th home run because I don't think there could be more appropriate words said than what he said. And, and, and I'll just I'll read the quote here. I read it on my show this morning. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the deep South for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. What a moment for baseball. It wasn't just a moment mm. for baseball. It was a, a moment yeah. for the world. But what, I, I mean, and, and, and knowing him, he didn't practice that. You know, he, it, he, I don't think, you know, he, is, he, he came up with this stuff. It was amazing how he did this. But I, don't, I think that might be, of everything he did in his life, that might be one of the most profound things he ever said. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if he, he might've been prepared for that. You know, he, uh, somebody asked him and I don't have the quote in front of me, but so I'll I'll paraphrase, but you know, they said, you know, you know, that he was, how did, how was he ready for so many of these calls that he did? And he said, you know, he had the, he had the humility to, to prepare for, um, which he was actually quoting, um, Olivier, which of course, um, but, uh, So, so yeah, he, I mean, who knows? Um, cause he was also, you know, incredible off the cuff. So, but he was just, yeah, just a legend. Remember, remember with the, the player Socrates Brito. And I remember <laughs> he was, he was doing a game with Socrates Brito played in. And the next thing, you know, during the broadcast, he's quoting Socrates <laughs> on a baseball <laughs> broadcast. <laughs> who does That's that? Nice. Well, th- I mean, for me, that's, the best thing about Scully, I mean, he did all these, he has all these incredible calls, you know, from Larson's perfect game in the series and, you know, all these other ones. But for me, what is, 
it's those modes when you you're like what I, I go down these YouTube holes where I just I'll just Google Vin Scully explains. And if you search that on yeah. YouTube, there's just mountains of stuff that just Vin Scully like before we got on this call, I was watching him explain you know, why all these players have giant beards. Nowadays. <laughs> it, was, it was terrific. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, uh, he, a lot, most of the time he worked without a color man. Uh, you right. know, he had Don, Dry, Don Drysdale for a long time. And then after Drysdale passed away, he flew solo, which is amazing. You know, so he didn't, I mean, it was a, one of the great things about him was that listening to a game, it was like, a running conversation, a one-way conversation, but it was a one a running conversation the entire game. And I don't think listening to him, I don't think I ever got bored. Right. Yeah, that was um, so I would yeah. Go ahead, Paul. So Vince Scully to me, um, just was the the guy that you would look to in professionalism. Like he handled himself so well, mm-hmm. he spoke so clearly. You knew he was enjoying the game so much. In Detroit, we always loved our Ernie Harwell, but no doubt when we heard Vin Scully, we knew it was a big game on NBC on Saturday <laughs> afternoon or whatever. Right. And, right. of course, for us, his greatest call beyond Hank Aaron was Kirk Gibson's Kirk home Gibson. run for the Dodgers. Yep. And I read a little bit about that, and he was quiet at first. You know, He let the crowd roar up, and then he said, this season has been the improbable, but now it's become the impossible. Yeah, well, and I'm thinking that was great. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that was one of the great things about him is that he knew when to let the game breathe and he knew when to be quiet. When Sandy Koufax pitched his perfect game in 1965, Vince Scully didn't say a word for 38 seconds before he started talking again. After he uh, he said the perfect game, then he just was quiet for 38 seconds so people could soak it in, hear the crowd, hear how people were going absolutely nuts. He did the same thing, like you said, when Kirk Gibson hit that pinch hit home run, and and I remember watching that game, you know, and mm-hmm. it was it was ridiculous, and and but he knew as all the great stories he could tell, he knew when it was time to be quiet, and there are damn few announcers that know how to do that, especially in this day and age where guys feel like they have to fill up every second. Right. I mean, I I mean, it it drives me nuts sometimes that, that these guys talk too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll say that's, you know, whenever somebody complains about Joe Buck, you know, Joe Buck is actually really, he's really good about that. He He could have that. Yeah. 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 That's, you know, and he said he, you know, that's, he learned it. He learned that from it. Yeah. From Vin and his father. Yeah, his dad. His was father was good, good at that, that too. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Sure was. You know, and so, Bob Costas, I think, has been influenced by Vin Scully because you hear him pause, and then Costas can come up with some witty things that you think, "Where did that come from?" But that you, you enjoy that. You love the wit of a good baseball announcer. Yep. Well, and and so I got a couple of a couple of things. I was watching um, the Padres game after the Red Sox game last night. Um, and listening to my friend Don Orsillo do the game, and they brought up about how Vince Scully had passed away. And Don Orsillo told a great story. Uh, he met Vince Scully when he was 19 years old, when, when Don was 19 years old and an intern. And he said, uh, you know, usually with, you know, a guy like that, you know, it'd be like, hey, big guy, nice to meet you. And then he'd move on, right? He sat down with Don, who was a 19-year-old intern going to uh, Northeastern University, and talked to him for like a half an hour. And asked him what he wanted to do. And Don said, 
I want to do what you do. And for the rest of his life and the rest of his career, Vin Scully became a mentor to him and wow. did anything he could to help him along. He didn't have any reason to. I mean, he was a 19-year-old kid. You know, I met Don when Don was 21 years old working as a, a broadcaster and a, uh, a PR guy for a minor league hockey team. And he and I started doing ba uh, hockey games together on television. By the way, I got a face and a body made for radio, but I used to do television. That's another story. But that's how I met Don. And then, you know, but he was telling a story last night where Finn Scully, if you ask all 30 guys that are broadcasters around Major League Baseball, all 30 guys would tell you a Vin Scully story about how he helped them. Because that's the kind of person that's the kind of person he was, which is awesome. And Don said after he got fired from the Red Sox uh, after 15 years with Boston, he didn't know what to do. You know, he was at a crossroads. You know, the Padres had offered him the job. He he, but he he had to move his family across the country. He really didn't know what to do. And he called Vince Scully, and Vince Scully said, "Don, you have to take the San Diego job. You'll love it there. They'll love you." And he said, "I didn't need to hear anything else. As soon as Vince Scully told me I needed to go, I went. And I just, I, you know, but." a guy like that didn't have to help all the other guys. You know, so many of the other broadcasters are all competitive, right? He didn't have to do that, but he did that probably for just about everybody in major league baseball, which is just amazing. Um, and, right, and you met him, right? Yeah, I did. I, I, I got an opportunity to meet him at Fenway park when I was working uh, for major league baseball, advanced media, and they were there for an interleague game. And I worked up the courage to go into the broadcast booth. It was about, yeah, I don't know, it was an hour and a half, two hours before the game, so I knew it would probably be safe. So I went in and I introduced myself. And again, he took time. I mean, you know, I was with him for five, six minutes, but he talked to me and asked me questions about what I did. You know, and I told him that I was an SID working at a college, and he was he told me some great stories about, you know, college games that he had done in the past. And and the only the biggest regret I have, I wish I had had the courage. And I didn't because I was I, I don't know why I, I felt like I would be bothering him. I wish I'd had the courage to ask him to take a picture with me. Mm -hmm. That would be you know what wow, I mean? I, I wish, yeah. I, you know, regrets. I have a few. That would be one of them that I, I didn't. Say. And you know what? He would have done it, too, in a heartbeat. But I was chicken. I was you know, how old was I? Jesus, I was probably I was a 45 year old chicken. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> but they but get again, tough at 45. Yeah, you know, but but it was nice to be able to meet him. And he was just a gentleman. And, and just I felt like last night I felt like I lost a friend that I met for five minutes, you know. But <laughs> how many nights? I don't know about you guys. The greatest thing to ever happen, as far as I'm concerned, was the Internet and the Major League Baseball package where you could listen to road games or, you know, you could listen to any team. I can't tell you how many nights I fell asleep listening to Vin Scully do a baseball game. And it wasn't because he was boring. It was just, you know, the game started at 10 o'clock and I'm old, <laughs> right. but, yep. but you know, but I, but I would fall asleep listening to his voice and it was the greatest thing ever. That reminds me of that joke or the story where a woman goes up to a baseball announcer and says, Hey, every night I go to bed with you. Like, wait, wait, wait. What? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I think Johnny Carson told that joke several times. Yeah, in different variations. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the one other thing uh, that I, I saw a great uh, Matt Corey, who uh, does a, a great uh, newsletter called Sox Outsider, and uh, he, I've had him on my show a few times. He recalled t a time he was listening to a Vince Scully do just a, a random game in the middle of the, of the summer. It was like in 2013. 
And he's like, and, uh, you know, uh, count is no balls in one strike. You know, uh, I grew up in, uh, in the Bronx and it was 95. And I think the player that was up was Jewish or something. And he said, you know, I, I grew up in the Bronx and 95% of the people in my neighborhood were all Jewish and they were all running away from Adolf Hitler. They were all refugees. And here's the next pitch. One ball, one strike. You know, and it's just he. <laughs> wow. Who else is going to weave in Adolf Hitler and World War II in the middle of a baseball game and just go on like, eh, you know, I just gave you a recipe for you know meatloaf or something. I mean, it's just, I, I just that was the the greatest part to me was just how he weaved in these little facts that seemed didn't seem to to really mean anything, but they did if you were listening yep. closely. So yeah, uh, just yeah, was, the best. A, just the best. There was just a thread through everything that he. Um, talk through your whole game. You just, yeah, it's just something else. I, I don't know. Did you guys uh, follow him on social media? <laughs> yeah, he was so funny on Twitter. I I, fo- I followed him too on Twitter after he retired, and he mm-hmm. would do these things where he would sit in a chair like out in his garden or something, and he would do like these five or six minute talks about baseball and, and something about history and baseball, and you know, and you could tell he was kind of awkward doing it because it wasn't his thing. But, you know, somebody probably talked them into it or whatever. But those were fun. I used to love watching those things because it was like, oh, good. He's still here. You know what yeah. I mean? Last, right. la- was, it, was it last year in the World Series that he came out and said, hey, it's time for Dodger baseball? How great was that? Yeah. You know? I mean, it just, just knowing that he was there, it, it was comforting. I, I swear to God, I was, I'm a 62-year-old man, and I thought I was going to cry last night when I found out he passed away. Yeah. So. Anyway, I just thought that that uh, not to not to get things on a downer, but I just thought that uh, and there isn't I don't think you'll ever find one person that would have a bad thing to say about that man. Even Sandy Koufax, the greatest of all time, the greatest pitcher of all time, you know, just paid tribute to him and, you know, talked about that. There was never anybody better. And yeah. I, well, I, I think. I, yeah. Go ahead, Paul. I would say even Tom Hanks would say sometimes there is crying in baseball. Yeah. You know, <laughs> saying goodbye to Vince Scully. Yeah, you know, and I'll bet there were a few tears shed last night. I guarantee you around the uh, around the country there had to be. Um, you know, so it just uh it, it just just a uh, a sad loss. So, all right, let's get to some more fun. Let's get to some fun stuff. Speaking uh, of sad losses. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> let's let's talk about the trades and we yeah. we got to start if we're going to talk about the trade deadlines we have to start with that Juan Soto deal yeah. um and not that I mean this is and, and I don't want to be I don't want to use a lot of hyperbole here because look Juan Soto's still young he's 23 years old you know he's not Babe Ruth but maybe he could be you know what I mean this right. There has never been a player of his caliber that you already know how good it is. This isn't a prospect. This is somebody that's played for years, has a world championship. You know what this guy is. He's 23, and you've traded him. That's never happened in the history of baseball. I mean, the closest I guess you could come would be the Red Sox, right, when they sold Babe Ruth to the New York Yankees. That's I mean, that's it. But in this modern day, there has never been anything close to this. Not that I can think of. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge trade. I mean, and Bell's, you know, went along with that. I mean, he's, you know, right. no slouch either. So, yeah, I mean, it's it was a it was a massive trade. It, it blew a lot of people away. I mean, you knew 
just from the you know every all the talk building up to it uh, that you know that it was going to be you know a huge deal you know I just you know because I live with a Cardinals fan you know the Cardinals were in the mix a little bit um, but you know when the Cardinals are like you know forget it we're not you know giving up you know you know what what they wanted I was like hoof you know, if the Cardinals won't give up much or, you know, if it's, if the Cardinals are folding on this deal and they need <laughs> somebody like Soto, they, uh, uh, it was, it was, it was getting pretty crazy. Um, you know, and, and how, how do you feel as a Washington Nationals fan when you've traded away this kid, you also, I mean, you had Bryce Harper there and you let Bryce Harper go. I mean, they have had some, High, I mean, they've had some serious talent there, mm-hmm. and they've let guys walk. And I mean, how do you continue to sell that to your fan base? I think you know, I think it's made harder by first of all, I mean, they have a you know, if they kept all these players, they have a World Series team now. Um, yeah, especially if Strasburg would ever be healthy. Um, and of course, he's the one player they've held on to, um, right? Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. um, but. You know, I think it's harder, and maybe this is the you know my my Kansas City perspective. But you know, I mean, it's not like San Diego is a huge market, right? It, at least it's got to be similar to to DC, right? So it's not like you're trading off your players to New York or um, or Los Angeles. You know, some of these big spending teams. It's going to San Diego. I mean, sure they've spent a lot of money, but it's not exactly you know, a, a major, uh, market for, for the MLB. So I think that's, that's got to make it sting a little bit. They did get a pretty good haul back, but just knowing prospects. that you could have Pros- yeah, the, the prospects, yeah, they, they got, got prospects back, right? You know, Mackenzie Gore, Mackenzie Gore, the, the young pitcher, um, who's injured is probably the, the centerpiece of that. But, 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 but think about this last trade deadline, right? The, the nationals traded Trey Turner, Max Scherzer and Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. Right. And they've let Bryce Harper and Anthony Rendon walk away in free agency. Now, the Rendon thing may turn out to be a good move because he's been uh, hot garbage in Anaheim, and now he's hurt now for the season. So maybe that was a good move. But Turner, Scherzer, uh, uh, Schwarber, and Harper. And you're a Nationals fan, and you're going, I should buy a ticket. Why? Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, Yeah, I mean, um, and, and here's the thing. You brought up market. And San Diego has always been considered a small market team. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing, I, one thing I'll tell you, their local uh, broadcast package, the amount they get from uh, their local people, their local cable people, is one of the smallest in the, in the country. Really? They don't get they don't their TV revenue. They get way more from the national uh, broadcast rights than they do from their local rights. Mm-hmm. So they get far less than the Washington Nationals do. Uh, far less. But here's the thing. I don't want to hear any more about small market teams not being able to compete. You know, if the San Diego Padres, who are technically a small market team, can, before these moves, before these moves, they had a payroll of $229 million. They're a small market team. How, if you're, if you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Oakland Athletics or the Tampa Bay Rays, and you started a season with a payroll that was about, you know, under, you know, under a hundred million dollars, way under like maybe 60, $70 million. 
and the San Diego Padres can do that. Please explain to me why these other teams can't do this. Other than the fact that their owners are greedy and they want to pocket as much money as possible. Well, I can't use that one because <laughs> that's going to be a problem. <laughs> well, you, yeah, well, you can. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely yeah can. I mean, yeah, that is that is the reason. I mean, look, some owners want to win and some want to make money. Yeah. And and look, the, the Royals, you know, going back to, you know, my team, you know, I get and obviously you, you guys know how I feel about this stuff. But, you know, look, we had, you know, you know, David Glass, our owner was one of the richest owners in, in sports. I mean, he was, you know, uh, Mr. Walmart, you know, right. the problem is you ran the team like a Walmart. Right. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's so, so it's, it really has a whole lot more to do with is your owner willing to, to spend and does your owner want to win? You know, what's, what's your owner's priority protecting his investment, uh, you know, from, you know, the Royals are worth a mil, a billion dollars somehow, you know, it, so there's, there's plenty of money, you know, you know, and maybe not liquid, but they, these guys have access to plenty of, of money. And if they want to win, if they want to spend money, they certainly could do it. Uh, Cause I look St. Louis spends money all the time and they're not exactly a giant metropolis either. They get great right. TV revenue, but, uh, and then you look at Chicago, right? I mean, is, is there another franchise that has more money than, or should have more money than the Cubs and they and, and they traded away their whole <laughs> team last year. I mean, so right. yeah, I, it's just, it's so frustrating. Um, you know, I mean, look, are the Royals or any other small market team ever going to spend LA and Yankee dollars? Probably not. That's, that's a special situation with those two teams, but everybody else should be in the mix. Right. 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 I mean, and to me, and and it's easy for me to say it's not my money, right? Um, mm-hmm. But to me, when you own a sports franchise, and maybe I'm naive, but isn't there a level of responsibility to the fans? Yes, everybody wants to make money. I'm not saying an owner should go out and spend all the money and lose money for the franchise and lose money, lose his own money. But isn't there a responsibility to field a competitive team every year and, and to give something back to these fans who you expect to buy your tickets, buy your merchandise, buy your concessions, pay for your parking. Isn't there a level of responsibility? And to me, some of these owners show absolute disdain for the fans. I'll tell you the, uh, the greatest example, Cincinnati Reds. Right. Wasn't it the mm-hmm. wasn't it their clown this year that said, oh, that the, these these fans should be, be lucky. There's a team here. They should be happy with whatever we put out in the field. Right. I, uh, I mean, that. That's so, oh, yeah. I mean, so how do you how, how I think there should be a level of responsibility. But like I said, it's not my money. But but I don't want to hear any more about small market teams. Now, when you look at what the San Diego Padres are doing, it's nuts. It's nuts. nuts. I, and, and by the way, here's here's a, here's a great one. Right. Part of this deal. To Washington, uh, Luke Voigt went over there. Well, Luke Voigt wasn't supposed to be the guy going over there. It was supposed <laughs> to be Eric Hosmer, but Eric Hosmer has a no trade has a no trade deal, and he he would not approve a trade to Washington. So they had to send Luke Voigt instead. How pissed do you think Luke Voigt is that he had to lose, he had to leave a team that could be heading for the World Series and is going to have all this talent, 
And instead, he's going to Washington, D.C. with the stink bombs. <laughs> well, you know, so I'm guessing that he and Eric Cosmer are not going to be exchanging Christmas cards. Just a guess. I mean, who can blame Hosmer, right? I mean, well, I don't go? blame him. Right. I mean, he's he had it. He had the Nationals listed specifically as a team he wouldn't go to. And they're like, right. hey. And yeah, obviously they had that all all set up because he and Soto are both uh, represented by uh, what's his name? The Scott Boros. Yeah, they're both yeah, Boros clients. So you knew you knew. Um, and that's what all, you know, the the, the major and you know, baseball analysts were saying, you know, there's there's already a plan you know, if he doesn't yeah. accept the trade. But that's yeah, just yeah, that was so funny. Hosmer's like, Here, that is not going to happen. Well, and the, and the best thing for the Red Sox end up getting Eric Cosmer plus two plus two prospects from the Padres for the Red Sox uh, pitching prospect. Jay Groom was one of their top pitching prospects, but they, they get Hosmer who's under control till 2025. And the Red Sox first base situation has been awful. And Hosmer's a gold glove first baseman. Yeah. Um, and they've got no no offensive production. Uh, Eric Cosmer looks like uh, uh, Frank Thomas compared to what the Red Sox have had in, at first base this year. <laughs> and so they get so they get Eric Cosmer under control through 2025. And the best part is, the Padres are paying 44. The, he's owed 44 million dollars, and the Padres are paying all of that. All of it. They said oh, they're paying 43,566 dollars. The Red Sox. Oh, wow. The Red Sox. The Red Sox through 2025 are on the hook for Eric Cosmer for two million dollars total. <laughs> for, oh, man. for three and a half years, three three or uh, two million dollars total. The Padres are paying 43.5. The Red Sox stole Eric Cosmer just because that they needed amazing. to get him. <laughs> yeah. So amazing. you know, that's you know that, again, that's where one of those things where uh, Luke Voigt's got to be really really angry. Um, so. Obviously, the Padres win the sweepstakes, right? I mean, not only do they get him, but then they get Josh Hader, yeah. the closer from the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, this is there were two teams that I was trying to figure out what in the hell they were doing at the trade deadline. One was the Red Sox because they were selling and buying, and this, the other is the Brewers. What team that's in the middle of a pennant race, I mean, they're in a dogfight, right, with the Cardinals, and you trade – you're closer. Now, I know he had a rough July, but Josh Hader, when he's right, is the best reliever in baseball. Although this kid from Cleveland, Class A, is pretty good now, too. But yeah. but he, what team trades their closer when you're when you're all, what? What do they got? A two game lead? Uh, yeah. One or two. It's yeah, that was. Yeah, that was the biggest mystery to me of the whole day I, I, or the whole you know, final few days. I just, I don't get it. And you know, I saw an interview with him, um, you know, right after, and he was just, he just looked like he'd been run over by a truck. It's like, he's a guy, he's a, it's just a business. I don't pretend to understand it. You know, that's just, he was, he was <laughs> as lost as anybody. It was, I, I don't, I don't understand that at all. I mean, you're, the central is wide open. They've got a solid chance to make it. The Cardinals didn't make any, you know, huge moves. They, you know, they picked up a, a one pitcher. Or well, they got Jordan Montgomery from the Yankees. Right, right. So yeah. they got two pitchers, two pretty good pitchers, which they needed. Um, they lost, you know, they gave up Bader for that, which my household is currently heartbroken over. Um, everybody loves Bader here. Um, but uh, especially the ladies in the house. Um, <laughs> oh, is he a good-looking guy? Is that what the deal is? is? 
Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. He's, he's just, uh, no, he's, that explains much. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's just. But he's no Eric Braun. That's that's true. Well, who, I don't yeah, have, who is? I just, we, I don't we, all have we all we all we all aspire to be Eric Braun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't have his flowing locks. I have no locks. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he. Uh, so uh, now I have no idea where I was going. Now that I'm, uh, you have the looks, not the locks. That's right. That's right. So as a Cardinal fan. I mean, is your wife upset that they didn't do more? I mean, Jordan Montgomery is a pretty good pickup for them. There's, there's, I mean, there's no question. Yeah, Bader's I, not, and Bader's not, Bader's not playing now anyway. Right. He's right? injured. I mean, he's injured, and he hasn't had the greatest uh, 22. Um, you know, his still his defense is. You know, I mean, he's a Gold Glover last year, so his defense right, has, has right. been great. And he's just, he's just like a spark plug for the team, and he's just, he's always out there, kind of. He's kind of showy. He's from New York, so I'm sure he's excited okay. to get to, um, to New York. But you know, I think she understood that you know, pitching was a pretty big need. And well, um, uh, I mean, so. and the two the two pitchers that they got. Look, I mean, Jordan Montgomery yeah, with the Yankees. I mean, Jordan Montgomery had an ERA of about yeah, it, it, he had a three eight right, and he's a lefty. Mm-hmm. And then Quintana, it might be the one of the best lefties in the American League. He gets his ground ball rate is ridiculous. I mean, yeah, he keeps the ball it. on the ground, and yeah, I mean, so so I think you know, and with what Flaherty's still out, right? Yeah. And and don't they have another pitcher that's down as well? Um, one just came back. Uh, I can't remember what what his name is, but yeah, I think I think they I think Flaherty might be the only big starter who's out, but I don't know. They've been their pitching has been a little bit of a mess the last couple of years. So I I could be missing one. Um, oh no, Steven Matz. That's the other guy. He, I think he's still hurt, isn't he? Oh, is he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I haven't seen him. Start the, kid, the guy they got from the kid, the guy from the Mets. So, um, you know, and I, I, so I actually thought that the Cardinals did a pretty good job, you know, and, and I think that that gives them a pretty solid rotation. Um, you know, so I, I think they're going to be okay. Now I have to ask you, Eric Braun about <laughs> yeah. your Kansas city Royals and about <laughs> your boy Whit Merrifield. Wit, I am not vaccinated Merrifield, and I can't go to Toronto because I'm not vaccinated. And yet, and, and I don't know whether Kansas City did this to stick it to him or not. If I was the owner, I probably would have. But they traded him to the Toronto Blue Jays. So if he doesn't get vaccinated, he can't play home games. I, I laugh so hard. I laughed so hard. It was the, the funniest thing. Even and the thing is, is they're on the road, but you know he's not really. You know, even if he got the shot yesterday, you know it's like 14 right. days. I think he's think he still has to give it 14 days before he can go to Toronto. Right. So, unless he gets some right. sort of exemption or something. But yeah. So I just laughed. It was just it was so ridiculous. Yeah. That I, was like, great. I've news. always loved Wit. Um. You know he's he's he played hard. You know he just ended like a 500 plus game playing streak. Um, you know, well, like magically he got an injury like a couple of days before they were supposed to go to Toronto and Toronto, sit yeah. out. Yeah. Funny um, how that happens. Yeah. Funny how that happened. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, I, I, people would still would have been mad. I, the problem with, you know, the whole thing with the Royals was that it was, we had 10 players who were unvaxxed. Right. So it was just a right. ridiculous weekend. But uh, but yeah, but Witt really put his foot in his mouth when he was talking, you know, to the media about it and said that, you know, hey, maybe I'd get uh, vaccinated if I was on like a contender <laughs> in the fall. 
So people <laughs> lost their minds, right? Oh. And yeah, so so everybody knew wanted to leave, and nobody's too sad. You know, we got a couple of okay prospects for him, which you know he's he hasn't had you know a, a typical year for him. He's getting older. He's you know he he spent quite a while in the minors anyway. Um, before he right. came up in 2016, poor wit missed just you know missed the World Series year by one year. Never played for a winning team, um, but uh, but yeah. So anyway, with uh, yeah, that just cracked me up. <laughs> and uh, Paul Arnold, who has been very quiet, uh, Paul, the uh, the Detroit still Tigers here, still here. <laughs> good. Well, the Tigers, the Tigers um, weren't exactly wholesale sellers, I guess, but they did uh, trade a pretty good part of the bullpen. And they also traded Robbie Grossman, which, considering the way Robbie Grossman was playing this year, uh, wasn't exactly much of a loss. But uh, I, I thought that uh, that uh, Michael Fulmore was having a pretty good year for them. Were, were, were people there surprised that they traded him? Not at all. The, we could see hand in it right in the wall. His rookie year, he was phenomenal, got a award. But then once he had Tommy John surgery, he's never quite the same, and he – he would not be consistent. You'd see stretches of really good pitching, and then it just seemed like he was losing traction every year. Like, would he barely made the roster this year? And so that's not a surprise. Grossman last year really played well, and we thought, gosh, with a couple more free agents, he would continue also to play well, and he just hasn't. Um, this is a throwaway year for the Tigers. It just really is. I I, I knew they weren't going to acquire anybody worthwhile, and. Uh, and even though Avila, uh, their general manager, talks like he's secure, I think he's on a hot seat. And um, our owner Illich is not Mike Illich, the owner son, of Little right? Caesars that made all the money, right. but his son Chris son. Illich is running it now, and he does not have all the money, or he doesn't want to spend it all. So he he's on the hot seat a little bit. The the crowd is getting a little anxious with him too. So we'll see what next year holds. But yeah, we're sort of just watching everything, enjoying our our brats and our beer. So, <laughs> well, the other team in that uh, division, the Minnesota twins were fairly active, right? They picked a, I thought, uh, you know, they picked up, uh, uh, Jorge Lopez, the closer from the Baltimore Orioles. I think that's a big addition for them. Uh, they got Tyler Molly from the Cincinnati reds. I mean, I thought that the twins, uh, you know, and getting Michael Fulmer from the tigers. I think the twins, I think they're panicking a little bit. Because I don't think anybody, including me, and I, and we've talked about this, the fact that the Cleveland Guardians are still in the middle of this race is surprising. They have the youngest team in baseball, and yet here they are competing. And, and, and I think the best manager I think, in baseball, right, yeah. Gene? Yeah, I, I think he is. And I think, I think the Twins are panicking a little bit. Yeah, I think this should settle it, the moves they made. They, you know, they, are, they're, they look pretty solid now. I mean, who knows what, you know, Tito's going to Tito. But, um, uh, yeah, I feel like the Twins are gonna, uh, uh, you know, make a make a pretty good run and put a knife in Cleveland and whatever's left of the Sox. Who the Sox did nothing. <laughs> they need well. to bring back the old Twin jersey where it shows two guys, two big hulking guys on either side of a bat. And that was the, the best. Twins. That was the best jersey. Well, it was, you know, the, and we were talking about teams I didn't understand, and the Red Sox were one of those teams. And, you know, the Red Sox improved themselves in some way. Getting Eric Hosmer, you know, while he may have not, you know, been that welcome in San Diego, he is going to be a huge addition for that team. Uh, and, uh, matter of fact, his smart. first game, uh, 
Yeah, and, and, and his first game with the Red Sox, his first game is going to be in Kansas City tomorrow. Oh, really? Oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're already talking about yeah. giving him a big standing ovation and stuff. We miss, <laughs> we miss Haas. But so adding Hosmer was, was a great addition. And then they got uh, Tommy Pham uh, for a bag of balls from the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> and... Uh, which which I thought was a good addition, and right away he got a hit against Houston the, the other night, and uh, uh, showed he's got some speed. He scored on a double down the line from first base by Rafi Devers, and uh, he had another hit today. And um, that means they can get Jackie Bradley out of the outfield because Jackie Bradley is uh, I, I don't think is hitting his weight, and uh, as great as he is defensively, I think he's hitting right around 200. So Tommy Pham was an upgrade there, but then you trade your your starting catcher in Christian Vasquez, who was hitting 280. And is a pretty good defensive catcher. And now you have Larry Moe and Curly behind the plate, you know. <laughs> oh, and man. and that's that's and and I got Curly's I gotta, the best catcher. Yeah, well, and I got to tell you a, a great story. I mean, and it's yeah, a little off. It's a little off color, but I gotta I gotta tell this story. After the Red Sox made these moves, two of the players they got were Tommy Pham, who was uh, famously suspended this year for slapping Jock Peterson over fantasy football, which, <laughs> right. which was great. Hilarious. The other guy they got, they got from the Chicago White Sox. They traded Jake Diekman from the Chicago White Sox or to the White Sox in re- exchange for Reese McGuire, another backup catcher. So they have another, you know, they got three guys that can't be a starting catcher. But Reese McGuire is best known as when he was with the Toronto Blue Jays of being caught spanking the monkey in public in a Dollar Tree parking lot. So the... <laughs> What? So, yeah, he, he was he was caught publicly <laughs> masturbating and got well, a fine. I I knew what you were talking about without the yeah. second. Yeah, one. thanks, well, for, thanks but, for telling but, us. But yeah, thanks I, for clearing I, it up. You know, look, I'm just making sure you young kids are on board. Here. Yeah, right, right. So, yeah, yeah. so, but let me finish. Let me finish the story. So, uh, Twitter's man. great. I mean, t- Twitter is a cesspool, but Twitter is also great. Billy uh, just called and he wants you to talk yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, keep it going. <laughs> well, I, I call Twitter the cesspool of the Internet, but uh, one of these geniuses on Twitter last night said, oh, great, great moves by the Red Sox. They brought back a slapper and a spanker. So anyway, so that but but it's one of those things where if you're you're trying to straddle a line, if you're Hein Bloom, you know. I mean, look, they stole Eric Cosmer. You know, look, if, if yeah. you get the Padres to pay 43 of the $45 million that he sold, that was a steal. So, I mean, I'm okay with that. It's the Christian Vasquez thing that I have a problem with, you know. And, and uh, you know, so I'm not really sure what they're doing. But, but they had to – they couldn't completely sell because they were only three games out of the wild card, right? So, uh, but, but speaking of another team, how about the Baltimore Orioles? Oof. They're two games yeah. – they're, they're two games out of a wild card. They're having an unbelievable season. They've won more games this year than they won all of last year already. <laughs> yeah. What did yeah. they do? They traded Trey Mancini, a fan favorite, yep. right, and who was having a decent year. You know, not outstanding, but a decent year. And they traded their closer. And then their general manager says to the media, well, we're in the wild card hunt, but we really didn't think we had a chance to get in the wild card. Oh, uh, man. Again, this is another one of those situations where you say, where's the responsibility to your fans? You've lost 100 games for like three years in a row. You're in the hunt. What are you doing? Yeah, they, man, 
that's a hard with me for the Orioles. That's a hard one because they did well on the return um, uh, for for with their trades. But yeah, man, when they are like right in the middle and you just get, get closers. I mean, closers were going for uh, like you. You were getting a big haul for any closer this year. So I understand why they right. did that because they need talent. Um, I mean, look, look at all those pitchers they got. I mean, good. Yeah, game. well, I know um, they got like four. They got like four guys back for for Lopez. I get that. Right. You know? Yeah. But yeah, it's but, still. But yeah, still, it's you know, right. as a, as an Oriole fan, a, a franchise that is a proud franchise and has such a great mm-hmm. history, to have your GM say, "Yeah, but we didn't really think we had a chance anyway," <laughs> and and but the best part was, what did they do? As soon as their owner said they or the GM said they didn't have a chance, they went out and won anyway. Right. Nice. So you know maybe maybe they maybe they win uh, despite them, um, and and then the other team that was very active is a team that you guys are all very familiar with. The uh, Atlanta Braves seemed like they were signing in everybody, uh, but they picked up Rysel Iglesias, which I thought was a great move. What they got from uh, uh, the Angels, um, you know, and and I think it it be, kind of became a signing war between them and the Phillies. It was like the Phillies would sign somebody, then the Twins would, or then the Braves would sign. They got Jake Odorizzi from the Houston Astros, which will help their uh, solidify their rotation. Jake Odorizzi was having a pretty good year for Houston, uh, so I thought the Braves yeah. made some good moves. Yeah, yeah, the Braves are um, another team that kind of set themselves up for a strong finish. Yeah, I mean, you would think. I mean, and and if you're the Met, the Mets didn't do much of anything. The Mets kind of stood pat. Um, I think they they made a minor move. They they got like Darren Ruff, uh, an outfielder from the San Francisco Giants. But outside of that, the Mets didn't do an awful lot well, at the trade deadline. They did they did pick up one of my favorite players though. Who's that? Daniel Vogelbach. <laughs> okay, all right. Vogelbach is about five foot tall, goes about three hundred pounds. Yeah. And uh, did you see the there was video of him last week? Going, I think it was first to third or first to home. <laughs> Carrying no, the piano he, on his back. He, yeah, he went like it was second to home, and he did it in like it was like under eight seconds. It was wow. ridiculous. The dude can move, and they had him batting leadoff earlier this year. What? Um, yes, he was their lead, the leadoff hitter for it was in Pittsburgh. <laughs> he was with, I think, <laughs> or I can't remember, it was the Phillies or Pittsburgh or one of those. One That's kind of kinda those like the, also. It's like that. It's like that big dude from uh, Milwaukee with uh, Rowdy Tellez. He reminds me of him. Yeah. A couple of, you know, and I like guys like that because they kind of remind me of me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yep. So who's the heaviest guy that's ever played baseball? David David Wells. Oh, Wells. Yeah. How about um, Cologne, the pitcher? Oh, Bartolo. Yeah. Yeah, He was a, he He was, was yeah. And, uh, and, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the big pitcher that pitched for the Yankees and Cleveland and CC uh, CC uh, Sabathia. Yeah, he was a moose. He was. Yeah, yeah. He was he one of those guys. Commercials now. Yeah, he, well, you know what? He even said that there was one year he lost a bunch of weight, mm-hmm. and he wasn't very good. He said he was actually more comfortable pitching when he was over three hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah. He was he was better when he was over three bills. Yeah, those guys. Oh, Frank Howard, the old old school. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, but Frank was really tall, but you know, he wasn't, he was solid. He wasn't, 
you know, David Wells and CC and some they were just fat. <laughs> hey, you got the, the big old gut. And, uh, yeah, I mean, no. <laughs> so Frank Frank Howard was just huge everywhere. So, but yeah, yeah. He, he was a mountain of a man. Oh, Bartolo like Boop Powell. Boop Powell, Boop Powell was, was pretty big too. Uh, you, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the guy from the Red Sox that was really, uh, Mo Vaughn, another guy that was a, uh, a moose. Oh, but I, I think. Yeah. I, but I, I want to say David Wells, CC, or uh, somebody like that. Those are some of the some some of the fattest guys I've ever seen playing baseball. But but you know what? Those guys were were damn good pitchers. I mean, you know, it's, were, it's yeah. amazing. You know, it's amazing. So well, Babe Ruth wasn't exactly the the figure of uh, fitness no, himself. Not, you know, yeah, back yeah. back in the day. So it doesn't necessarily translate. But uh, anyway, so I, I mean. But I don't ever remember guys seeing this many trades at the trade deadline. Do you? I mean, this was it's seven pages of stuff I printed out. Seven pages. That's I had crazy. to change the toner cartridge in my printer. I mean, it just, <laughs> it just, and it was like everybody was trying to one up the other guy. So there's, you know, and, and not all these guys are free agents. There's a lot of guys, you know, how about another big acquisition we didn't talk about? How about the Mariners grabbing Luis Castillo from the Reds? Yeah. That's a big one. They they might have just traded their way into playoffs. Yeah, and Luis Castillo went up against uh, uh, Garrett Cole from the Yankees today and beat him. Nice. You know, I mean, so, I mean, the Seattle Mariners just took two out of three from the New York Yankees in New York. So Yeah, yeah, the Yankees have kind of come back to earth, but, man, they also made some big moves. Um, they've they picked up, um, you know, I mean, they got Benny from the Royals, which we all kind of saw that coming. Who has um, done nothing since coming there? Well, yeah, it's fine. I think I think he's I think he's like zero for twenty since oh, really? he came to the Yankees. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he doesn't his, have a hit. He got well, no, he got one hit against the Royals because that was their because oh, he, he got traded. He got traded um, on, while he was um, on the flight. Oh, maybe maybe he was maybe yeah maybe he was zero for twenty after that or something. But it was something. He's been brutal and striking Boy. out a ton. God, that is so weird because that is not. Not his, I mean, he's a contact hitter, so that's really crazy. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of, of it's, it's, well, it's kind of like the Benintendi we remember at the end in Boston. <laughs> yeah. I knew we were getting yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew we were going there. Well, and they you, also got rid of Joey Gallo, so that'll be something. Yeah, they got, was it, they actually got somebody for him. I figured they'd have to pay the Dodgers to take him. <laughs> Clayton Beater. Whoever, Clayton, I never heard of him. Clayton Beater, but. But Joey Gallo was hitting 159. And for, for a left-handed hitter in that minor league. In that, that place. Minor league yeah. ball, it's crazy. I mean, he should have, just on home runs alone, he should have had a higher batting average. Yeah, you think you could just, you know, you could hit a pop-up as a left-handed hitter and it goes out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, but, but I mean, what a, what a, you know, this is a guy that was an all-star, right? right. And he's still a good, he's still He's still a great defensive outfielder. He's got a cannon for an arm too. Yeah. Um, but man, the, you know the problem is you can't steal first base. <laughs> right. Right. I'm. Uh, you got. It does make it interesting though. If you know, if, if you know, there's certainly a strong chance of a Yankee Dodger World oh, yeah. Series and have Gallo come up with a game. And Gallo hits a walk off. Gallo be- hits the walk off, and the Dodgers win. Dod- he pulls a. He pulls a Kirk Gibson. Right. Comes off the bench. Pinch hit home run, beat the Yankees. Oh, that uh, would, would be, be so good. Like, 
you know what? He would become my new favorite player. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. All right, guys. Well, look, we've, uh, we haven't been able to touch on all of them, but we've touched on some. It look, it's going to be a fun last, what, 59, 60 games. Uh, and uh, it is going to be quite a race. And I hope that my Red Sox did enough to stay in it, but I'm afraid that they didn't. And uh, I hope for your sake, Eric, that your, the Cardinals uh, can catch Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee left the door open for the Cardinals. I really do. So I hope for your sake uh, that, that Amy stays happy and the Cardinals stay in contention. Yeah, and we'll be watching Paul, the Astros too. So, Paul, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Put on another brat for me, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have to worry about the, about the Astros, I think. Despite the fact, by the way, they don't want to face the Red Sox in the playoffs because the Red Sox own the Astros. Yeah, yeah. We'll they won four to they won four to six from the Astros this year. Go figure. Yeah, so. it's crazy. <laughs> for Eric Braun, for Paul Arnold, I'm Gene Gums. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Boys of Summer. See you soon. <laughs>